Dear God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we can spend with you, Lord, as a people. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for your grace and mercy toward us. And thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to hear your word. Let it go forth into our hearts as a hope, God. Let the seed be planted, O God, in the name of Jesus, that it might bear fruit. In Christ's name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning concerning the communion table. I have put up three definitions that I'd like to begin this uh, teaching or sermon with. And uh, the first one is relationship. And I'll explain a little bit more in a moment. I just define the word. A relationship is an association, a connection, an affiliation, a rapport a bond or a link. And many times in the workforce, we have relationships with people. We have an association, a connection, a link. We work together, and we call that a relationship. Then the Lord gave me another word, and that word was fellowship. And if you look at that word, that word seems to go a little deeper than the word relationship. Fellowship is communion. It's companionship, it's camaraderie, it's friendship, it's partnership, it's mutuality. It's a deeper level with another individual. It's not just an association. It's not, I work with you and you're a colleague and so on and that's nice. But this is a fellowship, it's a a communion, it's a companionship, it's maybe... Uh, someone you confide in, someone that you trust, someone that you really care about, and they care about you, and you have a bridge between you that you can share your thoughts and your heart and, and whatever is on your mind. And then there's the next word the Lord gave me was communion. And this goes deeper because there's an element here that seems a lot of times to be missing from relationship and fellowship. And a communion is a unity. It's an empathy that you, you feel for the other person. You, you have... You have this emotion, you have this connection, this closeness. It's an intimacy. But look at the last part. It's a spiritual union. Communion is a spiritual union. When we come and worship the Lord, it's a spiritual communion. It's not just a relationship. It's not just a fellowship. It goes beyond that. It comes into the realm of communion. And, and that allows us to have a spiritual union with God. And that's what I believe people are looking for. I, I, I say this, and I've written about this, and uh, so on. I, I think we're afraid of intimacy. I think we're afraid of, of communion. Because I, I think a lot of times we feel if people get to know us, they might not like us. You know, I, I really feel that's a general feeling in the earth. Because people are, are estranged from each other. Uh, you can grow up in a home and live there for 20, 25 years, and the person doesn't even know who you are. You can eat at the same table. You can sleep under the same roof. And this has happened to me. And I'm sure it's happened to other people. Where people just, there was no, it was a relationship. Oh yeah, you know, your parents love you and your siblings love you. And you you have fights sometimes and you make up and all that other good stuff and whatever. But a communion is like a deep sense of intimacy. A communion is a spiritual union between two people. Between God and and between uh, two people. Uh, it could be a friendship, it could be a marriage, it could be a, a, a parent-child situation or whatever. So I want to take you on a little journey this morning. And, 
You know, sometimes we, we have to take a journey to find out what God is saying to us. In the, in the book of uh, Genesis, chapter 18, in verses 1 through 8, the Lord actually came down and broke bread with Abraham. I mean, this is extraordinary. This isn't just relationship. This isn't just fellowship. This is communion. This is a spiritual intimacy. This is a, a, a spiritual union. Abraham, listen. And the Lord appeared unto him. The Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre. This is not a vision. This is not a dream. <laughs> the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. I pray thee from thy servant, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as ready, uh, do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened unto the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto young, a young man and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Look what's happening here. The Lord comes down to visit Abraham. The Lord comes down to visit Abraham. And Abraham knew exactly who that was. He says, my Lord. He knew who it was. He was familiar with Jesus. He was, Jesus is strewn all out through the Old Testament. Some people say don't teach or preach about the Old Testament. If you look closely, you see Jesus throughout the whole Old Testament. And he come, picks it right up into the New Testament. Look what Abraham did. Sarah, we got we to gotta make dinner for this uh, party here. I got to go out and, and, and fetch a calf and, and dress it. And, and this is work. This, this isn't just, you know, uh, I'm going down to Wegmans and I'm going to get a, a, a chicken that's already cooked and uh, bring it home and get a side of macaroni and cheese and maybe some asparagus and, and, and feed God. No, this, this is something intimate. God appeared, which means to look at face to face. If you look up the word, it means face to face. And, and God was saying this. He says, I want fellowship. I want relationship. But I want communion. I want intimacy between God and Abraham. And so in, in, in James chapter 2 and verse 23, and this goes to the New Testament, and the scripture was filled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called, look at the word now, the friend of God. Look at that. Abraham was called the friend of God. <laughs> you know, I look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. You know, God is not a cheap date. Listen. <laughs> Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Look what the word says now. And will sup with him and he with me. You know what the word sup means in, in the Greek? It means supper, especially a formal meal usually held at the evening. A feast that is expensive and costly. God is not a cheap date. 
You know, we're, we're looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This isn't going to be Kentucky Fried Chicken, my friend. This is going to be takeout from Pizza Hut. This is a meal. And God wants to come to us and sup with us, and he wants to give us his meal. He wants to give us his word. He wants to give us his spirit. He wants to give us his love. He wants to give all of this to us. This is a, a royal dinner. It's kind of like a state dinner that they have in politics. There's a lot that takes place. There's a lot of protocol in a state dinner. Everything has to be set in place and so on and so forth. This is, goes beyond a state dinner. This is God saying, hey, how about we do lunch today? How about we have dinner together? I want to sup with you. In the, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 12, and, and the first day of unleavened bread, and when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall you meet a man bearing a pitcher of water, and follow him. And wheresoever he shall go, say to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover, and in the evening he cometh with the twelve. You know, it, it always intrigued me, who was this guy in Mark chapter 14? Who, Jesus said, who, who, who is this man that, that, that they're going to see in the city? God was already preparing that man's heart. We don't even know his name. But is his name our name? Is that us? Is, isn't God saying to, to us, I, I, I want to have a meal with you and go to the upper room so we can sup together? Get, get yourself prepared? Get, get yourself arranged? Get, get yourself in the spirit of worship? Isn't this what God is saying? I don't see a name with this man here. He, he sent the disciples and said, go into the city. And there you shall meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. God, I'm thirsty. Fill my pitcher. God, I, I want to go to the guest chamber. God, God I, I, I want to go to the upper room. And, and Lord, I want to have a meal with you. I think, listen, when you do your Bible study, you do your devotion, and, and you get into the word of God, you're, you're, you're in the upper room, my friend. You're, you're having a meal with God. This is a royal dinner, my friend. Relationships are the result of being involved with Jesus. Look what it says here. Let me, let me read this to what the Lord gave me. As your relationship with Christ is affected, so is your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Let me stop there. As your relationship with Christ is affected, so is your relationship with your brothers and sisters. These become trusted relationships. This is very important around the communion table. The sad fact is, is that not many people you know can you trust who have your welfare as their primary aim and goal in life. Relationships should have as its foundation 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, Hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Faith plus hope plus love are the ingredients of a true relationship. If you want to analyze relationships, if you want to analyze whether you are in a relationship, a fellowship, or a communion, ask yourself 
the question, does it have faith? Does this relationship have hope? And does this relationship have love? And what is hope? It's expectation. It's obtaining what's desired. It's a belief that, it's a, that something is obtainable. It's, it's a trust. It's a reliance. It's a, it's a good promise. It's a ground or source of happy expectation that can only come through trusted friends and friendships. When you have a hope, when you have faith, when you have love, you have something that I call communion. Because these are the three ingredients that are needed and necessary in a relationship that's spiritually unified one to the other. We have to look at relationships and say, God, do I have that in this relationship? Do I have hope? Do I have love? Do I have charity? Do I have faith for this relationship? Or is it just surface? Is it just mundane? Do we just talk about the weather or we talk about who won the ball game? And that's nice. That's an association. That's an affiliation. That, that's a, a link that you might have with your favorite team. And you have a link there. But is there faith? Is there hope? Is there love? Is there mutuality? Is there a communion? Is there an intimacy that's brought about by a spiritual union? So important. Let me give you a few examples of trusted relationships and friendships. In John chapter 19, verse 25, get this picture. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, he's on the cross. He's dying. When he saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. Obviously Joseph had passed. Obviously he was not on the scene because Jesus would not have said to John, Take care of this woman. This is your mother now. And he said to the woman, This is your son. And take her and put her in a nursing home. Take her and abandon her. Take her and forget about her. No. Take her and bring her into your own home. Jesus would not entrust this just to anyone. This, this, is, this is John who leaned on the bosom of Jesus. This is John the disciple who eventually ended up on the Isle of Patmos and had the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a trusted friend. This is a trusted brother. This is a trusted man of God. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stuart and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. What is this? These are sacred relationships that Jesus had with men and women. It wasn't only men who followed Christ. There was women that followed Christ. And look who some of those women were. So some of them were politically connected because of where their husbands were. But they didn't mind that. But Jesus named them in the word of God. 
And, and he said, these are my brothers, these are my sisters. It says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 55, And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. These are trusted relationships. These are sacred. This is communion. This isn't just affiliation. This isn't just, just a link with Mary or, 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 or these women or these men. They were with him. And when you stay with him, it bleeds over into relationships with other people. Listen, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 10, it says, It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with him, with, with them, which told these things unto the apostles. John chapter 11, verse 1. Is there anything more sacred than the relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus and, 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 and Mary and, and Martha? Look what it says. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Look what it says in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This isn't just relationship. This isn't just fellowship. This is communion. This, this, this goes beyond what a lot of people never experience. This is sacred. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, then six days before the Passover came to Bethany, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, when he raised him from the dead. This is now John 12. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. When you sup with Jesus, your house, your garden, will be filled with the odor of the ointment, that smell, that perfume of God, that holy anointing, that people will recognize, that people will see your demeanor, that people will hear your talk, that people will see your character and say, you've been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And we need to show the world that we have been with Jesus. Amen. For some will be the only Bible they ever read. For some will be the only voice that they'll ever hear. For some will be the only witness that will tell them about the love of God Almighty. I come to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. Look what verse 48 reads. But he answered, but he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, 
the same as my brother and sister and mother. You're not talking about association here. You're not talking about just having a link with another person or a colleague. You're talking about Jesus who's saying, you want to know who my mother and my brethren are? And he stretched his hands forth to his disciples and he said, and whosoever does the will of my father is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is communion. This is, goes beyond relationship. In John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus refers to us. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Look what it says in verse 14. He said the same thing to Abraham. That Abraham was a friend of God. Wait a minute. Am I in the same category as Abraham? Absolutely. Are you in the same category as Abraham? Absolutely. It's hard for us to digest that concept. (laughs) Because we read about the patriarchs. And they were great men and women of God in the Bible. And we look at them and sometimes we kind of deify them. And we look at them and say to ourselves, well, who am I compared to Elijah? Who am I compared to Elisha? Who am I compared to Abraham? Who am I compared to the prophets? It doesn't matter. We're not in a competition. We're not in a comparison. He said, whosoever doeth the will of my father. Come on, my friend. He calls us his friend. He says, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Look at the communion here. Jesus is saying this. What I hear from my father, I'm willing to share with you. Because we have a sacred relationship and a communion between us. (laughs) You think... God shares his thoughts with everybody. There's people that could read this Bible here and not get anything out of it because there's no communion. They don't know him. Or they're legalistic. They're legal beagles. Always looking for something in the word of God that is controversial. Always looking for something that, well, maybe there's a mistake here. Maybe they didn't dot an I or cross a T. Critics. And they'll come about in the last day. And they'll try to target our friendship with Jesus. They'll try to target our communion with the Lord. It's already begun. And it will continue. Listen, these sacred relationships that I have shared with you, just a few, is a result of being responsible and accountable. The Lord trusts us. He calls us friends. What a sacred relationship we have with Jesus who shares the word of life of his father with us. Shouldn't we share our love and God's word with others? Your relationship to Christ is very important. If you change toward him, you will change toward others. I'm going to say that again. If you change toward him, you will change toward others. It's very important to keep your relationship with Christ guarded. We did a whole study on that with the book Soul Keeping. 
Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be smart. Be wise. Guard your heart. Don't let stuff come in that's going to alienate you from God. Because when you become alienated from God, we become alienated from one another. When you pull back from God, you'll pull back from me. When I pull back from God, I'll pull back from you. That's the way it is. We're talking about spiritual intimacy. We're talking about spiritual communion. Now listen, God says to love one another. And as some of you have found out in the workforce, the tragedy of betrayal is always an opportunity for the enemy to scorch you and to try to damage your friendship with God. Listen, in Mark 14 and 18, as they sat and did eat, this is a supper now, this is the last supper. Jesus said, verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. What a terrible thing to say at a supper table. What a terrible thing to reveal at the last supper before he goes to the crucifixion. And they began to be sorrowful. They began to be sorrowful. And to say unto him one by one, is it I? Because they couldn't believe that their brother would betray Jesus. They each one said, is it I? And another said, is it I? You know why they said it? Because they couldn't believe the person next to them would ever betray Jesus because they believed that there was a sacred trust there. They believed there was a communion. So they examined themselves and they said, is it I? Am I going to betray you, Lord? Am I going to let you down? Am I going to sell you out for 30 pieces of silver? Wow. These men took the high road. And he answered and he said unto them, It's one of the twelve. It's one of you sitting at this table that dippeth with me in the dish. That must have been like a reverberation in their soul. Because they kept questioning themselves one by one. Is it me? I've, I've walked with him for three and a half years. We've been on the dusty roads. We've seen miracles. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've, you, you sent us out with the, the power to heal. Psalm 55 verse 12, prophetic. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and my acquaintance. And we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. You know, when you look back on your life, I know what a sinner is because I wasn't. But if I look back on my life, most of my pain and suffering came from religious people. We took sweet counsel together. We walked into the house of God together. We broke bread together. Only to be betrayed. The sacred trust. The communion. The spiritual intimacy. Only to be betrayed. We've all felt that. It behooves us to think about that. It behooves us not to slip into that type of spirit. People say, and you heard me preach last week and for the last few weeks, Two of the great heresies in the church world 
is once saved, always saved. I proved to you that Judas was one of the 12 that went out to cast out devils, to heal the sick. But then I showed you later on in the word of God, then Satan entered into his heart. Once full of chicken, always full of chicken doesn't hold, my friend. And the other heretical doctrine is universal sonship. That everybody has good in them and we're all going to heaven. Really? Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, people who have been responsible for killing millions and millions of people. You're telling me that they're going to have a place at the supper table of God? People are so misinformed because they don't know the word of God. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about communion because we're going to partake of that this morning. And it's a serious issue. It's not something that we should take lightly. What is the meaning of communion? First thing I want to tell you is this. It's not a ritual. <laughs> a thousand times no. People have made taking communion into a ritual. It's not. It's sacred. It's having supper with God. The Bible says uh, these words, the Lord said in Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, and he took bread and gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus was simply saying when we take the bread and the cup, he was saying, remember me. Why? Because there's life in him. Jesus wants relationship. He wants fellowship. He wants communion. He's saying, know me. Get to know me. What is communion? It's the ultimate meal with God on this side of heaven. It's eating with Jesus face to face as he did with Abraham. It's an experience and not an event. It's an experience. As he comes and he brings us his word. And as we solidify our relationship with him. It's this fellowship. It's this relationship and communion with him. It's this friendship and intimacy with the Lord. That we're saying to God. I am your friend. You are my friend. I am your son and you are my father. It's a point of contact. It's an opportunity for the Lord to come and show us order that our, our faith might be released into the new covenant. Taking the cup and taking the bread is a, a point of contact. Communion affords us the opportunity to remember Christ and the finished work of the cross that we've been preaching on. He died for us. We sit at his table. We have communion Physically, but we have communion spiritually together as we worship him. Paul the Apostle reminds us in Philippians 3.10 that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What was Paul saying? Just because we walk with God for a season doesn't mean it ends there. Just because we said a prayer 5 or 10 or 20 years ago that's not communion. That's the start of a journey. That's the start of your salvation. And Paul, as he got older, and I see this in my own life, 
that I want to know him. I want to know, God, what are you doing? What are you doing at this moment? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to the world prophetically? What is it, Lord? It's like it's always on my mind to commune with God. You walk in two worlds. You walk in the physical and you go about your daily chores. But you walk with him as he walks with you. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. That's what the book of Acts says. Confirming the word with signs and wonders. Lord, what are you saying to me? As you walk with me. Don't let me be like the disciples on, on the road to Emmaus. That Lord, when you appeared to them. And you started speaking to them. And you asked them, why were they so sorrowful? And they said, Have, haven't you heard? He said, well, hear, hear what? Haven't you heard that they crucified the Messiah? They didn't even know that it was Jesus walking home with them until they constrained him to come into their house. And as they sat at supper, come on, my friend, they broke bread and their scales and their eyes were healed. And they finally realized it was Jesus. You know, we're kind of like that sometimes. We walk through this darkness sometimes in this tunnel. And we walk through these clouded days. And we don't see him. Has he stopped walking by our side? Has he stopped communing from heaven? Has he stopped sharing his father's thoughts with us? No. But we become so distressed and so distracted that we forget that he's walking with us and we're still his friend. Nothing changed. Nothing changed from a week ago when God said, I love you. Nothing's changed. Oh, but pastor, I know there's dark moments. I know there's trials, tribulations, storms. I know all that. And I'm speaking to myself. But God, don't let me forget you're still walking with me. Don't let me forget, God, you're still speaking to me. What's changed? You love me then, you love me now, and you'll love me tomorrow. We forget that. We forget to know him in that moment. We look at the waves and the seas roaring. And we look at all of the stuff that's going on. Jesus said, listen, in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Don't ever think that it's up to you. <laughs> Don't ever think it's your ability. What God is looking for is our availability. So that his presence can come into our lives. So he can take credit for what God's doing in our so, here's a few things we have to remember about Jesus. In him, we have life. Through him, we can become what he would have us to be. Not what people want us to be. I see that so much in relationships. People want to change people. People have this idea, if you become like this, then I really will like you. If I can just mold you, it happens in marriages. Like some people get married for fixer-uppers. You know what I'm talking about. I'll marry him and I'll fix him up. Honey, you ain't going to fix nobody. You need to fix yourself first. 
Because you don't have the ability to fix anybody else. But that's what we do in relationships. I make them like my team. I get them on my side. He's forgiveness for our sin. And who among us isn't familiar with sin? Who among us isn't familiar with temptation? He's our healing for our sickness. He's our peace for our troubled heart. He's the supply for all our need. He's the strength for our weakness. He is riches for our poverty. He's the solution to our problems. He is love in the hour of your loneliness. He is the source of total supply for your every need. He is wisdom in the days of your youth. And he is youth in your days of old. I like that, Lord. He is youth in your days of old. He is joy in your hour of sadness. So the question that must come to our mind is, how do we have a successful and fulfilling communion with God physically this morning? First of all, we have to remember Jesus and look upon him face to face. We have to focus all of our thoughts on Jesus. We have to remember that he is the author of the new covenant. We have to think of the abundant life in Christ that he offers us. And as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, remember how the shed blood of Christ redeems you from sin. How the blood of Jesus sets you free from sin and death as we discern the Lord's body. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, not your neighbor. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. What's God saying? Lord, if there's anything in my heart, cleanse me. If I've offended anyone here, forgive me. If I have not done right by you as a pastor, forgive me. That's what God is saying to me this morning. Examine myself. Put myself out there and say, Lord, show me my heart. Show me. Make me clean. Make me pure. Clean the slate. Why you say, Pastor, you're a Christian. Yes, I am. But only God knows my heart. Only God knows your heart. Examine it. Ask the Lord. Where am I right now, God, with you? Am I with you? Are you in me? Am I clear? Am I clean? Am I guilt-free? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves. Not to put us into bondage, but to give us freedom. Not to throw us into shackles, but to give us freedom. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us as a church, collectively, if we haven't done what you've asked us to do. 
Forgive us in our families if we haven't done what we're supposed to do. Forgive us. It's collective. It's individual. Because we're coming to the Lord's table as a people, as a family. We must examine that. We must be honest with God. Because when we partake, it's so refreshing to know that we're pure before God. He took sin, sickness, and death upon himself that we might be set free. Too many have forgotten the benefits of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, whose own self bear our sins. What? His own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Think about this for a moment. Every sin you committed before you came to Christ, he nailed to the cross. And when you came to him and you asked him to come into your heart, he gave you a clean slate. And he said, I will remember no more your sins. As far as the east is to the west. Wow. Think about that. Who else could do that but Jesus? They tried in the Old Testament with the blood of bulls and the blood of goats. They sprinkled it on the mercy seat hoping. But they walked away with guilt and shame. They walked away feeling sad and bad. The high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he ran out as fast as he could for fear that he would be struck dead. But we as a people, nailed our sins to the cross. Think about it. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Look at that. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Oh my, some of us were on that road, weren't we? (laughs) My, my, my. If it wasn't for the hand of God that plucked us from that destructive power, some of us would not be sitting here this morning. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. What a God we serve. You know, I pray you young folks would really know Jesus. I didn't have the opportunity to have a church that would tell me about the salvation of the Lord. I found him later. I wish I had known him when I was younger. But I didn't really. Not in the way that I know him now. And what an opportunity for young people. Oh, is there temptation for you guys? Absolutely. 
But do you think it's not temptation for adults also? You think you're in a separate category because you're a young person? We all face it. Sometimes stronger days than others. The enemy tries to bring you back into his darkness with thoughts, people, experiences. He tries to entrap us. But you have an opportunity to know Christ. Because nothing else is going to matter in your life. Whatever you do, you could become the president. You could become an airplane pilot. You could become one of the greatest sports figures in the world. But if you don't know Jesus, all of that will be in vain when you close your eyes for the last time. Oh, that we would find Christ in our youth and live for him. Let me close before we take communion. Communion is a remembrance of the death and resurrection of Christ. Plain and simple. Remember Jesus in this communion. Remember his blood atonement. Remember the benefits we have received through his shed blood. Remember his trusted relationship towards you. Remember Jesus in this communion this morning and trust him for health and healing. Trust him for victory. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, and financially. These are all areas of our life where we can trust him. These are all areas in our life. Listen, I want to say it again. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, and financially. We can trust him. Taking the cup and breaking the bread is a remembrance of the death and resurrection of Christ. But associated with that remembrance is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 6. The benefits of God. His mercies are renewed daily, every morning. As you get older, you might experience what I experience. You wake up in the morning and you look around. And you identify. There's the lamp. There's my wife. I hear my cat. You know what that says? God woke me up one more day. His mercies. Have come to me this morning that I can get up out of bed. And sometimes, not as spry as I used to. But he woke me up this morning. And he didn't have to do it. How should I come into the house of God with thanksgiving and praise? Has it been an easy week for me? Absolutely not. Has it been an easy week for my wife? Absolutely not. But yet together, together, we communed with him and we cried before him. No shame. God, you know 
You know. You know the physical, spiritual. You know it all, Lord. Who are we fooling? Who are we really fooling? When the God who created me in my mother's womb knows me better than anyone else. Can I fool God? Can I really trick him? (laughs) Can I I put the wool under his eyes, over his eyes? So you become naked spiritually before God and you say, Lord, I need some help. This communion is important this morning. It's important. Because it's our opportunity. Like Abraham did, we don't have to kill a calf. We don't have to say to Sarah, make some bread. We don't have to fetch any water. It's already been done. His spirit is in us. And I want to just read one verse. And I like this verse because I take it personal. Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young. Believe it or not, I have been. Now I'm old. That's a reality. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's our testimony. God will take care of us. He'll take care of you and me. He'll take care of business because he's that kind of a God. This morning as we come before him, let this be a joyous occasion for us. Let the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Christ, Touch our hearts once again. Father, before we distribute the elements, we ask God that you would sanctify them and separate them for the Master's use. And we pray, God, as we partake, that that point of contact, our faith will be released through the new covenant. That God, we will be touched in every way possible. As we were singing that song this morning, our God is an awesome God, a couple of thoughts came to me. He's an awesome God over every artery, over every vein in our body, and over every piece of tissue that our body is made of. I thought of those three things. Crazy. So you're you're Lord of everything. You're awesome. Our God is an awesome God. He put this all together. And he somehow keeps it together for his glory and for his honor. I'm going to ask Joe, maybe my son, to come. uh, David, Lauren, maybe you guys can help. Take, I don't know how much we need, but maybe one each. I don't know. The communion cups. Don't partake of anything until we do the reading. Uh, No, go ahead. Distribute it. It'll take a few moments. The bread. Help out.
thank you, Lord. Sacred moment, God. Sacred moment, Lord. Corinthians for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me the bread that signifies the broken body of Christ 
After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. The grape juice representing the shed blood of Jesus Christ.
Father God, we thank you that we are your friends, that we are your sons and daughters. We take great delight in that. And Lord, I know you take great pleasure in us as your children. Lord, as we have worshipped you here this morning, we've been blessed. And we pray, God, that those who would view, Lord, this church service, I pray for you this morning. I pray for your family. I pray for your children. I pray for your life. No matter what state you might be in, you may be far down, downtrodden, discouraged, or depressed. You may be on the mountaintop. But I pray for you this morning. And I ask God in the name of Jesus Christ to touch you, body, soul, and spirit. To touch you socially and emotionally and financially. I pray that the love of God would touch your heart this morning like you've never known before. I pray that you not only have a relationship with the Lord, I pray that you have a communion with God, a spiritual union with the God that created you. I pray the great blessings of God upon you this morning. I pray that we get to know him better as the days go on. I pray that the Lord would bless you and heal you and touch every fiber of your being with his love, with his passion, with his power, and with his presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God bless you.